We're going to continue in our series uh, this evening. If you haven't been here, or if you haven't been here in a while, or you missed a week, we've been in the series called In Gloucester. I just want to continue the tradition, Pastor. In Gloucester, which simply means we are praying for the things of heaven to be here in Gloucester. We are praying for no more sickness. We are praying for no more pain. We are praying for healing in family situations. We are praying for no more stealing. We are praying for no more death and decaying. And we want to see a little piece of heaven here on earth. And this week, we're going to switch gears from what Pastor Joe talked about last week. And Jesus is going to tell us about treasures. Jesus is going to tell us about treasures and If you don't hear anything else that I say this evening, if you don't hear one thing, if you're tuning out, if you've got a lot going on, if you've had a lot of circumstances going on before you came here or you're distracted, I want you to hear me on this. The whole point of what Jahani just read, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24, is this. We need to use our time, our resources, our money, and our energy that God has given us, whatever that may be, however big or however small, to serve him, to build up eternal treasures in heaven, heavenly treasures, not earthly treasures. And as I'm sitting in my office this week thinking about what am I going to say, looking through this passage, Jesus is using these metaphors. I thought to a time in my childhood where I saw a treasure perfectly described, which was in the movie The Goonies, if anybody has ever seen it. And if you don't know it, it's this movie about these kids. And what happens is there's a big developer in town, a property development company, and they come to these four kids' towns. Right in the cul-de-sac or the end of the street, I grew up on a dead-end street with a bunch of kids, and so I could relate. The developer comes in and says to all the kids and all their parents, I want to buy your houses, which means for the kids, they have to move away, they're not gonna be friends anymore, and they're gonna lose all their relationships. So these developers come in and they say, kids, you know what? Everything that you got, it's gonna be gone. Unless your parents can come up with the money, unless your parents can come up with the resources to give us what we want. And so the kids all sad, here's what happens. The kids all sad, they're there one day, the day before they're supposed to move out, and they're hanging around all together, and it's a, it's a motley brunch. And there's a bunch of different kids, a bunch of different personalities from the smart one to Chunk to Dada to Mikey and all the other ones. And they go up into Mikey's basement, one of the, or Mikey's attic, and they find this old treasure map of One-Eyed Willie. And this treasure map has the location of an earthly treasure that is supposed to be beyond any riches. And so what happens is the rest of the movie to summarize is these kids go out against their parents' will without their parents knowing and they encounter all kinds of booby traps, all kinds of people chasing them, and all kinds of obstacles in their way. Now I don't know about you but that sounds a little bit like my life in my pursuit of treasures, in my pursuit of happiness, in my pursuit of joy, it sounds a lot like these kids who go up into the attic and they find the treasure map and they find a little instruction booklet on how to be happy and how they can preserve their neighborhood and they chase after it. But on the way, there's a lot of obstacles, right? 
on the way, there's a lot of booby traps. On the way, there's a lot of cobwebs that they got to knock off. And that's the whole point of the movie. And let me tell you this, by the end of the movie, they find what they're looking for and they find a treasure that lasts an entire lifetime. They slide down the slide and they go into the cave. And what do they see? They see a treasure with more gold than they can fit into their pockets. They find a treasure that's going to last them for more than a lifetime. And that's what Jesus is after in this metaphor. Jesus is going to give us three metaphors in this passage, right? The first one is the metaphor of treasure. The second one is the metaphor of our eyes. And the third one is the metaphor of the slave and the master. And so to cover the first metaphor, he says this, don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth, as Jahani read, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves don't break in and steal. And he says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is speaking to thousands of people here, likely on a boat in the middle of the sea, and Jesus isn't speaking in some super cryptic, hieroglyphic language that's hard to understand. In fact, Jesus is speaking in sayings here that often would have been spoken for the hearers or the listeners to memorize. In other words, the people in the crowd, they didn't have notes and notepads to write down what Jesus was saying. They didn't have voice recorders and they didn't have us recording the sermon so that you could listen to it later. But they had metaphors and they had sayings. And so the point of that, what I want us to understand is what Jesus is saying here in these metaphors and just a little bit of background about the text is it's not going to take a PhD for us to understand what Jesus is saying here. What he's saying here is super, super practical that we can apply to our own lives immediately. And all he's saying is earthly treasures don't last. That's it. The new TV lasts about 10 years. The soles on your shoes, they'll wear out. The new clothes you buy, they'll eventually rip and become dirty and not be able to be washed anymore. And he's speaking against the motto that our lives are designed for us against the pursuit of money and against the pursuit of all that is material on this earth. He's speaking against that. And he's using this metaphor of treasures that people would have understood in the Old Testament as... Treasures in the Old Testament were this. Whenever somebody had something valuable, whenever somebody had something that was worth a lot, they didn't take it to TD Bank down the street or Bank of America. A lot of times what they would do is they would take the treasure and they bundle it up and they would bury it, sometimes under the floor, sometimes on top of somewhere, sometimes in a cave, and oftentimes, because these places weren't guarded all the time, there would be a lot of people that would experience robberies and break-ins and everything like that. But here's, here's what I want us to understand out of Jesus' metaphor, and it's this. When we make our lives about our earthly treasures, and we're going to break this down as as we continue the night, but as we, if we make our lives about our earthly treasures, then we become really selfish, don't we? 
If we make our lives about the stuff that we have, if we make our lives about living our best life, right, then we become really selfish. We become about ourselves. We become about our stuff. It's like this book that my daughter has that I read to her sometimes. It's called The Minosaur. Sorry for the kid examples, but they're just flowing in my brain throughout this whole entire year. But the Minosaur, right, it's about this group of dinosaurs, and they have this, they're going to preschool together, and they go to preschool, and they have their toys, and they got their blocks, and their Legos, and their action figures, and their dolls, and they're playing with them together one day, and then all of a sudden they hear, mine, 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 and it's their friend, the Minosaur, comes up, and he takes his toys, and it's a real small amount of toys, right? And he takes his toys and he sits in the corner. What happens is by the end of the book, the Minosaur is playing with a couple blocks that he took from his friends because they were his while his other friends are hanging out, swinging on the swing set. And the point of this, and what I want us to understand, is that, um, sorry, my notes are out of order. Is that um, we don't need to be about our own stuff all the time. Because we can't be like little children who need to be taught how to share. God has given us stuff, however little, however much that may be, varies from person to person, but God has given us a job with that. And it's not to be selfish like little children in that book. You know, it, it looks sometimes... It, it looks like this, our selfishness. And I know this because I've been there as this person. Um, you're really tired. You've had a long week, but you know somebody needs help moving something. Or you know somebody is in need and they can't cook for themselves and they're struggling and they keep spending money going out to eat because they can't cook for themselves. And you know somebody's in need, and you know they need your time, and you know they need your service, but you've had a long week, and even though you got Saturday and Sunday free, you're like, mm, I'd love to take a nap and sit on my phone. I've been there. I've done that. It's what selfishness looks like. It's storing up for ourselves earthly treasures, right? It looks like, it looks like getting our checks immediately, right, on the 1st and 15th and going and buying prepared foods instead of the groceries that are going to last, you know? Here's what I want us to understand, that Jesus willingly traded everything that was rightfully his on, in heaven, to come down and to serve us. And today, in today's world, we have such a mindset during the Christmas season of, I need to get what's rightfully mine and I need to hold on to it and I need to keep it in my pocket because if I don't, then somebody else is going to take it and grab it away from me and waste it. Jesus traded everything he had so that he could serve and love other people. Church, what motivates us in the use of our time, our energy, and our money? Is it selfishness or is it love? The second metaphor is this, and it's the metaphor of the eye, and it says this, Jesus says this, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. 
So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? All Jesus is saying here is that we need to refocus our attention on those heavenly treasures and not those earthly treasures that sometimes we tend to be selfish with, right? We need to refocus our attention on things that bring true joy and bring true love and illuminate our souls. And he relates it to our eyes. And he says, the only way that our eyes are able to see things the only way that our eyes are able to open up and able to see where we're pouring our coffee in the morning and able to see where we're walking around when it's dark outside or able to see when we're cooking dinner where the spatula goes and where we're supposed to put the food is if we open our eyes and let the light in. Jesus wants us to look at the bigger picture. It's like, it's like, I know a place that has 90 inch TVs that I'm sure plays the Eagles games on them. And I also know a spot in my house that has a little 22 inch TV that's 720p, that's not even full HD. And all Jesus is saying here with your eyes is this, don't go to that little TV in your bedroom that's 720p, that's not even full definition where you can't see the big picture. Jesus is saying, Open your eyes to the heavenly treasures in front of you and spend your time, money, resources, and energy looking at the big picture, the big screen. Look at the big 90-inch screen TV and what God is trying to do for eternity, not on the small little things that we place so much importance on, especially during the Christmas season. 1 Corinthians 4.18 says this, So we do not focus on what is seen but on what is unseen. For what is unseen is temporary, but for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Jesus is saying, listen, refocus your attention to the big screen of eternity, not however many years you have left here on earth, because that's fleeting. It's like, you know, I, I remember a time in my life, you know, where, where I was making the choices of just hanging on to short-term gains, you know, and, and instant gratification. And if I could have this right now, you know, I'll be happy. If I could just have this this Christmas, or if I could go and do this with my kids, or if I could go and see the lights, then I'll have a perfect Saturday. Or if, you know, I, I have this thing, then I'll be truly happy. Um, but... I remember a time in my life where I was searching before I know, knew the Lord and I was 19 and I remember uh, I smoked and oftentimes I didn't have money. In fact, when I was 19, I didn't have a job and because I didn't have a job, because I didn't have money, uh, oftentimes I'd dig in my pockets, open my wallet, see if I had any change. And then I'd look in my coat pocket, see if I had any change. And then I'd dig in my car seat to open up the center console and dig for all the change I could because I didn't have a job, but I knew I wanted a pack of cigarettes. And what I did was I found enough change, seven bucks, however much it is now. And I went to the store and I dropped all the change on the table and they gave me a pack of cigarettes and I smoked it and I was instantly gratified. Right, but that changed. When I got saved, I said to myself, Dylan, how are you just gonna spend everything that you have for something that is there in one moment 
and then gone the next. So when I got saved, I said to myself, Dylan, let's invest in something that's going to make a lasting impact. Let's invest in something that's, that's going to be long-term, that's going to last longer than the change in my pocket or a pack of cigarettes, right? So what I did was I said to myself, I'm just going to go volunteer at this Christian organization that I know loves the Lord, and hopefully I can affect somebody's life. What happens was every Monday night, I ended up at this basketball program where we would preach the gospel, eat pizza, and play basketball the rest of the night with the teenagers. And I remember riding this kid home every single Monday, true story, riding this kid home every single Monday, and I didn't even know what I was saying, but I knew that the kid was in a hard spot. I knew he was growing up in a tough area, and I knew that I needed to say some words to encourage him and make sure he goes in the right direction. So I'd say something like, you know, Jesus loves you. You know, uh, kids are going to try and get you to behave badly. You shouldn't do that, you know. Dude, you know, uh, people are going to ask you and approach you to smoke weed. You shouldn't do it. Don't go to parties. And most of the time, he was silent. I'll be honest with you. Most of the time, he's like, okay. And I had, I, I, I didn't think I was making any difference in anybody's life by playing basketball with him, picking him up, preaching the gospel to him, saying Jesus loves you, and then dropping you off. So we lose touch. Days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months, months turn into years. I haven't seen the kid in like three years. And then I'm at this random Christian conference where it's aimed at preaching and teaching us the word of God. And I see this kid. I'm like, yo, no way. I haven't seen you in years. We shake hands. I'm like, dude, how you doing? It's so good to see you here. I can't believe you're here. And I'm like, let's go get lunch. And he's like, all right, we go sit down and have lunch. He's an older, dude, older kid by now, and as we're having lunch, reminiscing about the times we're playing basketball and riding home, he says, you know what, Dylan, I just want to thank you, man, because I remember every single one of those awkward talks that you gave me in your car on the ride home. Listen. You don't have to have all of the money in the world. You don't have to have all the possessions in the world. You don't have to have all the, cool, all the cool gadgets to make an eternal impact on somebody's life. You just need to have the gospel. You just need to have love. You just need to have the right heart. Because Jesus is clear. It is our heart that's going to make the difference with what we have. But there's two extremes to that. There's two extremes. There's, the first is constantly giving and constantly pouring out of yourself so that there's nothing left at all. You pour yourself out and then pretty soon there's, there's nothing left and you're just completely drained and you're just completely relying on other people to build you up because you just pour everything out that you give. 1 Timothy 5.8 says this, Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever provide. You need to make sure you yourself are in the right mind. You need to make sure you yourself are built up. You need to make sure you yourself are encouraged before you go out and you give and you give and you give and you give. The second extreme is this. We use everything for ourselves just to build up treasure for us and our own. And that's the obvious one. So Jesus is preaching here against wastefulness 
and against selfishness. All I'm saying, and what Jesus is saying with this metaphor of the eyes, is we need to be good stewards of what God has given us, however much or however little. No matter if we have a million dollars, no matter if we have one dollar, Jesus gives us one thing, and it's himself. And like I said earlier, it's about the heart. It's not about all this stuff we have. Building up treasures that last is not about putting a smile on a face somebody, uh, putting a smile on somebody's face sometimes, but building up treasures for the kingdom of heaven looks more like an outpouring sometimes. Because when you give, when you give something away, when you give your time, when you give your money, it doesn't automatically like, oh man, that felt so great. It, does, it doesn't always do that. It doesn't always have that effect. Oftentimes, you donate $5 to Salvation Army outside of Walmart. Oftentimes, you give somebody a ride when you could be doing something else or you hurt yourself in the process and you're like, dang, why did I do that? And you don't see the impact that it makes. Let me tell you this. God uses people's motivations and God uses people's hearts. It's like the, it's like the widow's offering. What do we see in the widow's offering? The old elderly widow, nobody to provide for. She goes to the temple. She takes out two coins out of her pocket. It's likely worth pennies puts it to the offering box. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, this widow has put in more than those who have put in thousands. In today's world, it's like the movie Rudy, right? Where the guy who doesn't have any of the skills that anybody else has, the guy who doesn't have all the muscles that everybody else has, he has one thing, right? He has heart. And in the end, it is his heart that keeps his whole entire team together. It is his heart that makes the entire difference to his team, to his teammates. He's the reason his teammates don't quit. He's the reason the team won the game. He's the reason that the team can be encouraged. It's because he has heart. And so I'm asking us, church, it's a careful balance of how we use our time, our energy, and our money. We need to check our heart. Why are we doing the things we're doing? Are we giving out of selfish ambition or just to look good in front of others? Or are we giving because we want to make a lasting impact? As I land this, Jesus' last metaphor. He says this. He says in verse 24, No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It's like this. 
you can't be devoted to two things at the same exact time. It's like if I go home at the end of a long work day and I sit down and I want to watch TV, what's the latest thing out on Netflix? I'm not sure. But my wife also comes up and she wants to have a conversation with me. And it's either going to be my wife talking to me while I watch TV and it goes in one ear and out the other, or it's going to be me not watching TV and me paying attention to my wife. Jesus uses this metaphor and he says, you can't have two masters. You can't be completely devoted to one and the other at the same time. You can't do it. It's impossible. And so listen, all I want to say as I land this is Jesus has given every single one of us through Jesus Christ citizenship in heaven. And my question to us is, are we using the right currency? That currency being using your time, your money, your energy, your resources, all that you have to make a lasting impact or are you using stuff for a a short-term gain that you can just sit on and bury the treasure? Now listen, I, I I can tell you from experience, the the things that hold us back the most on those are two things, fear and the love of pleasure. I know I come from, and we joke about this so I can say it, (laughs) I know I come from a family who says, what we do works, so why would we do anything different? And in a way, it's right, you know? In a way, it's right. Why would we do anything different? But what Jesus is saying is radical here. Even though you might be comfortable, even though you might have your stuff, even though you might have your way of doing things, Jesus is calling us the opposite way. And so here's my charge. As we look at this passage, as we look up earthly treasures versus heavenly treasures and what we want to see in Gloucester, because I've seen a tons of people this entire year building up heavenly treasure in the kingdom for God in Gloucester. I've seen people come and give their entire Saturdays to working with kids. I've seen people give their entire summers to being out in the hot heat and handing out people lunches. I've seen people volunteering at the food bank in the pouring rain when they don't have to be there. I've seen other people help us clean, help us do work upstairs and sand drywall. I've seen people do all of that and they might not see the benefit right away, but let me tell you this, it is making a lasting impact for the kingdom of God. And my charge to us as a church is not only to build up heavenly treasures, but to say in a super practical way, if you want to make a difference in the kingdom of God, if you want to make a lasting impact, if you don't want to just bury your treasure in what you have, however much or how little, I want to ask us and check myself as well to volunteer, to give, to pray, and to share our stuff. That's what we need to do this Christmas season. Dear Father, thank you for everything you give us, God. Thank you um, that you have given us the example of your son who traded everything that he had and came down in the form of a little baby born in a manger to serve us. Oh, Lord, let us follow your example Let us follow what you have set in front of us in your word. God, allow us, expose the areas in our heart 
of selfishness. Expose the areas in our heart of self-doubt and self-denial. Expose the areas in our heart that say, I do it this way. Why would I do it any way different, God? Lord, and just speak your truth into those areas in our lives, Lord, and help us volunteer. Help us share the gospel with other people. Help us encourage others. God, help us give to others. Lord, help us look at the big picture. Help us look at the world around us and not just our own four walls. God, we love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen.